Welcome to Come Follow Me. I'm your instructor, Dr. D. Todd Harrison, as we continue to study and seek to learn the will of God for our lives and for mankind and salvation. And it's great to be here again today. We welcome all of you joining us from all across the world. And we pray, as we always do for you every day, we ask God to bless you with a safe shelter overhead. We ask God to bless you with food to eat and with financial resources to accomplish God's mission that he has in store for you upon this earth. We're looking at the Old Testament this year, and we're looking today at the books of Ruth and Samuel. And we're going to learn some great things from two of the great women in, in all of history, in Ruth and in Hannah. And uh, they both become the uh, direct ancestors of the Lord Jesus Christ and of King David. And so what a great uh, blessing it is to uh, look at the examples of, of these uh, great women. Uh, I do apologize. Uh, this uh, Ruth, we're talking about Ruth would be the ancestress of King David as well as the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we can learn some great things here. And of that same Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I testify as one of his witnesses that he lives today. He sits enthroned at the right hand of our Heavenly Father in splendor and glory. He died for our sins just as the scriptures teach. He lives today. And because of him and because of his atonement, all mankind can receive forgiveness of their sins and can return to live with our Heavenly Father in everlasting burnings forever and ever. Hallelujah and to his holy name. Let's look today at the book of Ruth and uh, we'll begin in chapter one and we'll look at verse one. It says, now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled. We just looked at the judges uh, last week and uh, how the Israelites would uh, go through a period of sinning. God would forsake them. They would repent. God would raise up a judge to deliver them from their enemy. So in the days of the judges. That there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, the house of bread, right? So here's a famine, and the man of the house of bread, who, you know, in other words, they had had a great life, had great uh, possessions, you know, was full of the house of bread, right? Uh, he has to end up going to the country of Moab, leaving Israel just to find and support his wife and uh, children. And the name of the man was Elimelech. My God is king. That's a nice uh, name to have there. And his wife, Naomi, meaning pleasant, and talks about his children. Well, they die. The, the husband dies, Elimelech, and also the uh, sons. And they had just married the Moabite uh, uh, woman. And so here you have these Moabite women outside the covenant. They're from uh, a country where they worship false gods and uh, worshiping Chemish and, and possibly Moloch there in that area. And uh, so uh, they start to convert to, to the Lord, uh, uh, Jehovah, uh, Yahweh. And, uh, but now their husbands are dead, right? So Ruth says, okay, well, why don't you do, to go back home? You know, I'm too old to get married again. And even if I some miraculous way, uh, miraculously way were able to get married and, and had children, are you going to wait for them to grow up? So, so go home to your homes. Well, the one uh, woman does, and she goes back to her home and uh, to her gods and so forth. Uh, but uh, Ruth uh, does not here in uh, verse 13 through 17. Would ye tarry for them till they were grown? Would ye stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, 
For it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. How often we feel that way, right? In times of trials and tribulations, we feel that the Lord has gone out from us. But yet there he is always behind the curtain, behind the scene. He has not left you. He is there with you. This is just a trial and tribulation so he can help continue to mold you as the great potter into a pot of gold, into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. He says, uh, she says here in 14, and they lifted up their voice and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. And that's the way we are, right? We should cleave unto the Lord, cleave unto the prophets, cleave unto those things that bring us closer to God. He says, and uh, verse 15, and she said, behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And here's one of the great scriptures that everybody knows. And Ruth said, entreat me not to leave thee or return from following after thee. For whether thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. And thy people shall be my people and thy God, my God. So what a great example we learn here about uh, the great uh, missionary work that can be done just simply by being faithful to God and, and living a good, righteous life, that it attracts the pure in heart. So here she had seen the example of her mother-in-law. She knew that her God must be the real God. She knew that, uh, you know, her heart was there. And she knew that if if if, uh, if her mother-in-law was such as um, uh, Naomi here, how must the people in Israel be, right? How must the becoming a member of the church be? To not only be around one member of the church, but to be around a whole group and to live in their in their midst. So she wants to come and and join and join the church and become one of the saints of God and to be with not only Naomi but others like her. And so it is, you know, we always have that decision today, you know, whether we're going to become part of God's covenant people or not. And at the end of this video, we'll leave in the description a link. For those of you who are not yet members of the church, to click on, to reach out to the missionaries and let them know you want to become part of the pe people of God. You want to be make covenants with God and be part of his covenant people, and they will help you along the way to become so such. And uh, so she goes off to Bethlehem, to the house of bread now, because they hear there's no more famine, right? And so they go back to the house of bread, to Bethlehem. and. Uh, now let's look at chapter 2, verse 10 through 12. And so now Ruth is out and she's uh, gathering corn uh, in these fields uh, of uh, Boaz, which is the second nearest kinsman uh, to, uh, you know, to basically uh, her the husband and father, right? So uh, she's out there gleaning in verse 10. Then she, uh, so then Boaz comes to her and says, you know, what are you doing here? Uh, don't glean in another field in verse 8, uh, but just stay here with, uh, you know, by my maidens. In verse 10, then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found such grace in thine eyes that thou shouldst take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? And Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath fully been showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband. And how thou hast left thy father and thy mother and the land of thy nativity, where she was from, and art coming to a people which 
you never knew before, you know. And so what's such a great example here of, uh, you know, a faithful woman who's willing to give up all things, including her father, her mother, uh, her siblings, uh, you know, uh, uh, her own culture, her own uh, language, her own people, to come and be part of the saints of God, where she can be surrounded by the members of the covenant, by the members of the church. And so what a great blessing. As a result, in verse 12, the Lord will uh, will reward you, um, uh, will reward thy work, and a full reward will be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. Let's look now at, um, so then in um, chapter 3, uh, Naomi realizes that Boaz is the second nearest kin, that she may have a chance, that Ruth may have a chance to to uh, marry him. Uh, she thinks that she should remarry at, at this stage. She's still young. She's still uh, of childbearing uh, years. And uh, so they uh, hatched this uh, scheme here in which uh, uh, Naomi sends Ruth to find out where Boaz uh, lies down and sleeps and to uncover not his feet as the we've seen this before how King James always you know they they change things right they're uh, shy and hesitant about some of the things that are written here but you know so she doesn't uncover his feet right she uncovers a certain uh, private body part of his and then she does not take advantage of him and that's why when he realizes that there's a woman there he then says that she's a woman of virtue because she could have taken advantage of him, but she didn't, even though, you know, she had uncovered his nakedness, right? So, you know, it's not his feet, right? <laughs> King James, they got his, 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 she's a virtuous woman because she uncovered his feet, right? So then she said, so then he, um, so then um, she says to throw his skirt, you know, over her head. Now, this is not a uh, an attempt of some sort of sexual uh, act here. Uh, remember, this is within the Middle Eastern culture, and and you go to the sheikh, and you have him throw his uh, skirt, his dress over your head. Symbolic that you're asking and seeking his protection, and symbolic that he is granting to you his protection. So that's all that that part of this uh, is, right? She's not trying to take advantage of him or, or anything like that. No sexual act here. She's just seeking protection from him. And he's granting the protection by letting his, his skirt here go over her head. So uh, he then says, okay, well, there's actually somebody uh, uh, that's even a closer kinsman than me. So we have to see if he's willing to marry you first. If not, then I'll be willing to marry you. So they uh, get the elders of the city to the gates of the city where the business was always transacted, all the city uh, council meetings and so forth and business dealings. We're always at the gate of the city. And so they, uh, he says, well, you know, Naomi has this land. You're able to buy it. Uh, but you have to then marry Ruth and raise up seed to her dead husband. And he says, well, I can't, I can't handle that. That's not for me. So then Boaz is now able to marry her. And, uh, and she ends up, uh, uh, and so, so they end up getting married and they have children, right? And because she becomes the faithful ancestress of the Lord Jesus Christ and the great grandmother of King David coming up, getting closer to King David. And so that's the story of Ruth. Now let's look at Samuel. Now another great woman here in uh, Hannah, right? And Hannah's 
barren again. How many times we keep seeing this story in the Old Testament? She's barren. She's one of two wives. The other wife's able to have kids. She's not. She even has uh, some friend or some uh, neighbor that keeps uh, teasing her that she can't have children. Every year they go up to the, uh, the to Shiloh where the tabernacle was at the time. They had not yet built the temple, but they have the tabernacle and they go to the, the city of Shiloh to offer sacrifices to the Lord. And she's very depressed here. And, and um, you know, and uh, Elkanah, her husband, in verse 8, uh, Hannah, why weepest thou, and why eatest thou not, and why is thy heart grieved? Am I not better to thee than ten sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh, and after they had drunk. Now Eli, meaning my God, my God, the priest, sat upon a seat by the post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitter bitterness of soul, and prayed unto the Lord, and wept sore. So here Eli sees this woman crying and crying. And uh, she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou would indeed look on the affliction of thy handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, that I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli sees her mouth, right? Sees that her lips are moving, but there's no sound coming out, right? Now in 13, now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunk, you know, so he starts to talk to her. Hey, drunk woman, what are you doing here? How long wilt thou be drunken in 14? Put away thine wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I've drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord, right? And how many... You know, how many of us in in affliction can say that in those moments we pour out we poured out our soul into the Lord, right? And and uh, sixteen count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial, you know, the, basically a daughter of Satan. For out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, Shalom. And the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. And so they, uh, they, uh, they rose up, worshipped the Lord, went back to their, uh, to their to Ramad, where their house was. They have sex, and the Lord remembered her. And in, 20, and in verse 20, Wherefore it came to pass when the time was come about, after Hannah had conceived, that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, right? Samuel, right? Meaning, God has heard, right? God has heard, right? God has heard her prayer. So out of her thankfulness, she's named her son. God has heard. In other words, God has heard my prayer, saying, because I asked of him of the Lord. And the men Elkanah and all his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice in his vow. But Hannah not, did not go up yet, right? She said, I'm going to take care of this kid first. When he's old enough, I'm going to take him to offer sacrifice. And then I'm going to give him in fulfillment of my vow to the Lord, uh, to Eli the priest, to raise him there in the tabernacle. And so in verse 28, Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. So. Uh, that's the beginning of the life of 
Samuel, as we're going to see, he's going to be a mighty uh, prophet unto the Lord. In uh, chapter 2, we get the uh, song of praise of Hannah's song of praise. And she praises the Lord here. Uh, verse 1, and Hannah prayed and said, my heart rejoiceth in the Lord. Mine horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over my enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. There is none holy as the Lord or as Yahweh, for there is none besides thee. Neither is there any rock like our God. Talk no more so exceedingly proudly. Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth. For Yahweh is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty man are broken, and they that stumbled are girded with strength. They that have they that were full have hired out themselves for bread, and they that were hungry ceased, so that the barren have borne seven, and she that hath many children is waxed feeble. The Lord killeth and he maketh alive. Yeah, that's his decision. Who you know, the, the length of your life, where you shall live is is uh, Acts, as uh, chapter 17 teaches. He bringeth down to the grave, and he bringeth up. He will resurrect those who were brought down to the grave, all because of the atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord maketh poor and maketh rich. He bringeth low and lifteth up. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust and lifteth up the beggar from the dunghill, from, from the uh, sewer, and to set them among princes and to make them inherit the throne of glory as promised us in Romans that we shall be joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We're taught over and over again in the New Testament, Jesus Christ is a heir of all things of God. Right? We will sit on, on thrones as it says here. And he says here, for the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he has set the world upon them. He will keep the feet of his saints, and the wicked shall be silent in darkness, for by strength shall no man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Out of heaven shall he thunder upon them. The Lord shall judge the ends of the earth and shall give strength unto his king and exalt the horn of his Messiah. Right? This is the first time we get the Name of Messiah here in the Old Testament. They, the King James translator here is translating it anointed, but it's the Messiah here, which means anointed. And uh, so, and Elkanah went to Ramah to his house, and the child Samuel did minister unto the Lord before Eli the priest. Now the sons of Eli were the sons of Belial. So, so earlier Hannah said, "I'm not one of the daughters of Belial," and but the sons of you, <laughs> Eli, right? They're the sons of Belial. And they knew not Yahweh. So they're profiting off of the people's sacrifices that they bring sacrifices uh, that made the people start to hate the sacrifices. They kept doing it because, you know, they knew it was commanded to the Lord, but they abhorred the sacrifices, as it says here. Uh, they start to uh, uh, make the woman that come bring sacrifices uh, to the tabernacle to, you know, to have sex with them. So they're having sex with all the women. And uh, so now... Um, uh, in verse 22, now Eli was very old and heard all that his sons did unto Israel and how they lay with the woman that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And he said unto them, why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil doings by this people. Now, my sons, it is not good report that I hear. You make the Lord's people to transgress. Now, that's a serious sin. That's one of the sins that, that Jesus uh, and his own uh, mortal 
ministry would go around rebuking the most. It's one thing if people sin and hurt themselves, but when you lead people astray by teaching false doctrines, by uh, um, you know destroying people's testimonies, that is a very serious sin. And as a result of that, he is going to he's going to he's going to reject Eli's family from being priests uh, from thenceforth. They were told that they would inherit the uh, priestly office. You know, going forward, but they ref they refused to obey the Lord. They led Israel to sin, so God took it from them. Okay, so then, and then, and uh, he says that, but don't worry, as he's always done in the past, when and when his faithful, when his leaders don't uh, remain faithful, and uh, then he removes them and brings in ones who will be faithful. And thir verse thirty-five, and I'll raise up. And I will raise me up a faithful priest. I shall do according to that which is in mine heart and in my mind. And so it is with us. We should always be seeking each day to do what is in God's heart and in his mind to please him. And I will build him a sure house and he shall walk before my Messiah. And translated as anointed here forever. Right. Okay, so that's the end of chapter two, and so now we move to chapter three. Is one of the great, uh, one of my personal uh, favorite stories here about um, the Lord trying to speak to uh, Samuel, and we'll look at verse one of chapter three. And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. Several times throughout history, of the world. When the people have refused to obey God and his commands, God has had to remove the church. God has had to remove revelation to the people through his, uh, through anointed uh, prophets and, and apostles and anointed uh, the priests and other officers uh, of his kingdom. And so in this time, there was no open vision, right? And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim. He was going blind as he was getting old. We saw that with several of these old uh, people in the Old Testament. And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and Samuel was laid down to sleep. That the Lord called Samuel, said, Samuel, and Samuel yells out, here I am. But he didn't know it was God, right? He thought it was Eli calling him. So then he, when Eli didn't answer, he then runs unto Eli and says, here I am. You, you called me. And he said, I didn't call you. Go lie down again. Right? And in verse 6, and the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli. And he said, yeah, here I am. You, you've called me. And he said, I didn't call you. Go lie down again. So then in verse 7 says, because this all happened because Samuel did not yet know the Lord. He didn't know. The revel the, how God speaks in the still small voice, as Elijah will point out uh, in, in Kings, right? Uh, uh, the God generally will speak in a still small voice, piercing, you know, to the heart and to the mind and so forth. And he says, he did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. He was not familiar with the way that God speaks to the people. In verse 8, and the Lord called Samuel again the third time, Samuel. And he arose and went to Eli and said, here I am. You certainly called me. And Eli finally perceived that 
It was the Lord calling the child. Therefore, Eli said unto Samuel, go lie down again, and it shall be. When he speaks unto you again, you say, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. What a great thing that is, right? As God desires to speak to us, right? God wants nothing more than to uh, speak to us. That's why, uh, that, you know, one of the great themes of uh, uh, President Russell M. Nelson's ministry has been to teach people, uh, you know, to hear the Lord, you know, to say, you know, speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. And that's the way we should always be open to the voice of God. Uh, you know, speak, Lord, for, you know, for thy servant heareth. When we pray, we should speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth says here in uh, 9, therefore Eli said unto Samuel, go lie down. Okay, so he goes and lies down again in verse 10. And the Lord came and stood. Now this time the Lord's standing. He's trying even harder to get his attention, right? And, and called as at other times. And he says it twice this time, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, speak for thy servant heareth. And the Lord said to Samuel, so now the Lord's able to finally speak, right? Behold, I will do a thing in Israel at which both the ears of everyone that heareth it shall tingle. And that day I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I begin, I will also make an end. That includes both sons dying on the same day. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth. Because his sons made themselves vile and he restrained them not. This is an everlasting punishment. He's an everlasting God. The punishments are everlasting. And therefore I have sworn unto the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be purged with sacrifice nor offering forever. God is a very patient God. God is a very patient, loving Father. He warns, he warns, he warns. He commands to repent, to repent, to repent. Ultimately, there comes a tipping point at which mankind can pass by that tipping point and no longer be eligible to be forgiven of their sins as they repeatedly committed sin over and over and over again. God has offered them multiple times to repent. When they refuse to do that, they can reach the tipping point. When you reach the tipping point, all is lost. As it says here, it doesn't matter how many times you repent of your sins. It doesn't matter how many prayers you offer up to be forgiven. It doesn't matter how many sacrifices you make. There comes a tipping point. If you make it past that tipping point, you will not be forgiven. <clears throat> At the verse, end of verse 14, forever. So it's important, right, that we make sure we, at times in our lives, when we may stray a little bit off the uh, path leading back to God's presence, that we come back as soon as possible. We don't want to stray too far where we reach that tipping point that no amount of sacrifice, no amount of prayers will suffice to, to lay claim to the atoning blood of the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so then in uh, 
verse 15, and then Samuel lay down into the morning, opened doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel feared to show Eli the vision, right? How would you like to tell Eli the God's priest, right? He's still God's high priest, the priest at this point, you know, that, hey, you know, your sons really will die in the same day. Hey, you know what? They're past the tipping point. No matter how many sacrifices they offer up at this point, they shall never be forgiven. They will receive an everlasting punishment. But nevertheless, Eli comes and says, okay, in verse 17, what is the thing that Yahweh has shown unto thee? I pray thee, don't hide it from me. God do the same to you and even more. If you try to hide to me anything that the Lord told you. And Samuel told him everything. And he did not hide anything from him. And he said, it is from Yahweh the Lord. Let him do what seemeth him good. And Samuel grew. And the Lord was with him. And did let none of his words fall to the ground. Right? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wonderful is our God that all his promises, if you remain true and faithful to him, all of his promises shall be and will be fulfilled in your lives. Those of you who have received patriarchal blessings and other blessings, all those blessings shall be fulfilled in the Lord's own due time in your life. They may not happen exactly as you would like. They may not happen exactly as you imagined them. Uh, but even when people with free agency and free will either seek and in, in, uh, either seek either uh, seek and in, 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 with with an intent to derail you from those blessings of God, or out of their uh, ignorance, uh, uh, do such actions that put up barriers in the path that God has laid out uh, before you. God will yet move you to the side and around those barriers and underneath and over the top of those barriers to still fulfill his blessings and promises to you. And you will have the same blessings and promises, even if it's in a, a different state uh, or different, uh, uh, you know, either different areas or different positions, or, you know, different events in your life than even uh, what was uh, planned or what should have taken place, he'll still find ways around those obstacles that the ultimate blessing shall still be fulfilled in your life. He says here, um, you know, that, that nothing, that none of his words fall to the ground. In verse 20, And all Israel from Dan, the city far, furthest north in ancient Israel, even down to Beersheba, the city in this most southern part of Israel, knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of Yahweh. And Yahweh appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. So apostasy gone, uh, restoration of the prophetic voice, restoration of God speaking once again to his servant, here in this case, Samuel, to instruct the people and to bless them through the words of God, through his holy prophet. And what a wonderful day it is to uh, be alive in our own day, 
that uh, for nearly 2,000 years, visions had ceased, just like here in Samuel, right? The vi visions had ceased, and people did not know the voice of God any longer. But luckily, in the year 1830, just 200 years ago, after nearly 2,000 years after the death of Jesus and after the uh, killing off of the uh, apostles of Jesus Christ, 1830 years later, God, once again, just as he did Samuel, God raised up a new prophet unto him, unto the people, in the prophet Joseph Smith. Through him, God restored the prophetic voice. God restored his communication to man upon the earth. God restored revelation once again upon the earth. Since that point to today, God has continued to have those upon the earth who speak in his name and reveal his will to the people. The keys of the kingdom of God were restored in 1830. We have those keys today. How wonderful it is to know that one can be baptized on earth and have that baptism sealed in heaven and recognized by God, just as Jesus Christ's baptism was recognized by God, when even God spoke from the heavens when John the Baptist baptized Jesus. Behold my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And they saw the Holy Ghost descend in the form of a dove upon Jesus. Just as God recognized that baptism, so we have such baptisms again on the earth today, in which God can speak from the heavens and declare, "I'm, but my, this is my beloved son, this is my beloved daughter, I accept their baptism. For those of you who have not had such baptism, we welcome you to come forward into the waters of baptism, to be baptized by those who hold the priesthood and authority of God. And the link in this description of this video, we will place a link. Click on that link, reach out to the missionaries of the church. They will teach you what you need to do. They will help prepare you to be able to enter those waters of baptism so that your baptism on earth will count in heaven, so that your baptism on earth will open the gates of heaven, so that your baptism on earth will open the Heavenly Father's arms of mercy to welcome you into his arms as a beloved son or daughter of God. No greater blessing can come upon any of us than to participate in those things. For those of you who have strayed off the path, before it's too late, before you cross that tipping point, we welcome you to come back, come back to the community of God, come back to the church of God, participate once again, just as Ruth, Ruth wanted to forsake her own people, those who worshiped false gods, those whose hearts were not right with the Lord, to come be part of God's covenant people. So you come forward and be a modern day Ruth and come unto him, come unto his community, come unto the church of God upon the earth. In closing, we ask God once again to bless you in your lives. We bless you with the spirit of inspiration, with the spirit of revelation, to know that the things that we have taught today are true. These things are the word of God, the will of God, and the power of God unto salvation. We testify as, as witnesses of Jesus Christ that Jesus Christ lives today. He is the son of our heavenly father. 
He worked out the atonement for mankind based upon the conditions that they repent, come unto him, and lay claim upon his atonement. We testify of these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.